This classic Encounters podcast is brought to you by Encounters North. To learn more about our podcast videos and projects and to support our work, please visit EncountersNorth.org. Hi, I'm Richard Nelson for Encounters, a program of observations, experiences, and reflections on the world around us. Oh, <laughs> I guess my subject has just announced itself. I am in the company of a great big herd of stellar sea lions, probably about 50 of them in this group on a Nice, calm spring afternoon. Occasionally the wind blusters up a little bit. There have been a few sprinkles. A nice day for a kayak paddle, which is what I've been out doing. And as I was paddling along the shore of a group of small islands, I came, I came upon a group of stellar sea lions. And paddling along between the sea lions and the shore, they just started to follow me and approach me, as some are doing right now. My heartbeat is up just a little bit because I've got sea lions porpoising and slashing back and forth in the water about 30 feet, up, oh, 20 feet, correction, uh, five feet, correction. One just sort of swirled the water right smack in front of my kayak. You can hear me paddling. I'm paddling backwards. And now I'm gonna change my population estimate, maybe 60 or so sea lions, all heads stretched up two or three feet in the air, definitely having a serious look at me. Not the first time they've done this. They've done this five or 10 other times and every time they do it, it gets my heartbeat elevated all again. They're pretty sizable animals. I don't know if you can hear their loud bellowing and growling actually echoing off the shore just behind me. Everybody's got their heads way up. Sea lions have a long pointed snout and they have a really interesting habit of holding their snout straight up in the air as if they're going to look at the sky but what they're doing is they're looking forward at you on both sides of their face their eyes are situated so that they can actually look right past their chin. The whole mob has just now submerged in a great thrash and commotion. They've done that before too. I don't think they're going anywhere and neither am I. I'm going to stay here just kind of tight against the shore of this island, stay out of their way and hopefully they won't get any closer than the five feet a couple of minutes ago. Full-grown bull stellar sea lions are very, very substantial animals. 10 to 11 feet long, and a big one averages around 1,000 pounds or more, and the biggest ones up to 2,400 pounds. The adult females are quite a bit smaller than the males. They average about 600 pounds, up to 800 pounds at a maximum. And they're more slender and graceful and profile than the bulls. This bunch that I'm in company with here appears to be overwhelmingly females, but there are a few really good size bulls in this crowd. There's been another big bunch of sea lions off a little ways to the north of me, and they're coming this way too. I would guess that altogether there's at least 100 sea lions here. 
every once in a while there will be a huge thrashing back and forth and great splashes going up and bodies arcing and torpedoing back and forth as these sea lions dive after what attracts them here, big schools of herring down under the surface. In fact, I've occasionally seen the glittering sides of those fish down below me. When these little fishing sprees happen, the bald eagles launch out from the trees and veer and circle back and forth over the sea lions and dive down and try to grab herring that are driven to the surface, perhaps wounded. Usually when that happens, a bunch of seagulls will come out and join them. Amazing sight in front of me right now. About 60 feet ahead of my kayak, the whole group of sea lions is porpoising, moving at incredible speed, porpoising back and forth, no particular direction in mind, but they'll come leaping up out of the air in these beautiful, graceful arcs, maybe three or four feet above the surface of the water. Now the whole bunch comes up, thrashing up through the surface of the water. What power, what intensity. Here comes a bald eagle. Seeing all this activity, bald eagle comes down, veers down out of the treetops, circles lazily back around, heads back around and going back toward the forest behind us. Stellar sea lions have a beautiful blondish brown fur that covers their body, gives them a sort of a golden color. They're the largest member of a group called the eared seals. These guys all have little kind of flap ears behind their eyes on the sides of their head. That identifies them as members of that family, which also includes the California sea lion, an animal that occasionally gets to Alaska, and the northern fur seal, famous for the great numbers that congregate on the Pribilof Islands. They're different from the other kind of seals, which are called hair seals. Those are the ones with very, very short little front flippers, like the ring seal, the bearded seal the harbor seal, and the spotted seal, they have very, very small front flippers, and when they're on land, they inch along like a caterpillar. Now, the sea lions are altogether different. They have great, huge front flippers that they use like wings under the water, and long hind flippers that they use as rudders to guide themselves back and forth. But the fore flippers are their main propulsion on water and on land as well. They can pull their fore and hind flippers up under their bodies and walk around on all fours. That's a whole different thing from the way the hair seals operate. The bull sea lion, there's two or three great big bull sea lions. Now the whole bunch is checking me out again. The deep bellows that you hear, I believe, are coming from the bulls, but the females also make a noise. They're all coming right at me now. Oh my goodness, how would you like to have a hundred sea lions just surging toward you, water rolling off their chests like the bow of a boat coming straight at you. They've all dived, I have no idea where they are now. The bull sea lion has a massive head and neck and it's, their neck is maned with golden fur and they have that prodigious bellowing roar. Whoever named these things sea lions got it exactly right because the look of those big bulls is so much like a great big male African lion. It's called the Stellar Sea Lion, named after George Stellar, who was a naturalist on Bering's 1741 voyage to Alaska. The sea lion has an array of names in Alaskan native languages as well. In the Aleut language, for example, Kawach. In the Aleutic language, places like Kodiak Island, Winuk. 
and the central Yupik people farther up on the Bering Sea coast, Uginuk, and the Tlingit people down in southeast Alaska, Tan known by many names and by many bodies of knowledge. The stellar sea lion ranges all around the North Pacific Rim, from California up to the Gulf of Alaska along this coast, and then out the entire Aleutian chain, the Bering Sea, all the way north to the Diomede Islands. Also over across on the Russian coast down as far as northern Japan. So they have a huge distribution. They usually stay within about 30 miles of shore. They're not a big pelagic, far out in the ocean kind of an animal. About 70% of all stellar sea lions live in Alaskan waters. The sea lions that I'm watching, as I mentioned, were attracted by huge congregations of herring that come in along the Alaska coast every spring between March and May or June as you go to the more northern latitudes. Sea lions are in here feeding on these schools of herring, but they live on all sorts of other fish as well. Pollock, mackerel. Of course in the summer they go after the big schools of salmon that come in for spawning. Halibut, flounder, little fish like capelin, also cod, rockfish, greenling. They have a fairly cosmopolitan taste for fish. They also eat squid and octopus. They'll even eat clams and snails and shrimp and crabs when they get a chance. And sometimes they even prey on harbor seals, ring seals, or fur seal pups. I'm just hoping that they never really have an appetite for kayakers as I am now paddling backwards, being urged by this committee who is trying to let me know exactly who's in charge here. I was sort of moved out a little bit from the end of the island and there they came around in front of me and are now I'm paddling backwards, they're paddling frontwards and we're squeezing back up against the shore of this island. Sea lions often hunt together. It makes me nervous to say that right now. <laughs> they, they surround and herd schools of fish. That's what they're doing down here when they go down after these herring. They do in fact feed a lot at night which is also unfortunately when they tend to get caught on commercial fishing gear. They have as a, oh wow, there's a big bull just right in front of my kayak and another one, two huge bulls. And I could see the great long translucent trailing flexible streaming whiskers about 12 inches long or perhaps a little bit more than that. Apparently they use those whiskers to help them find prey in the dark water at night or in the deep water. They mostly feed at relatively shallow depths, but they can dive as deep as a thousand feet or more, seldom down more than four or five minutes. Stellar sea lions also have an interesting trait that's shared with other sea lions in different parts of the world, that they often have rocks in their stomachs. Alutic people up around Kodiak Island suggests that these rocks might be used as ballasts, like a diver's weight belt. They also say that angry sea lions, if you walk into the colonies of sea lions, the rookeries, when they're up on the rocks, that they'll spit those rocks at you. Scientists also speculate that the rocks might be swallowed for ballast, maybe to help grind up food, to ease hunger pangs when the animals are fasting or unable to find food, perhaps swallowed just by accident or at play. Nobody really knows why they do it, but we, oh, Wow, 10 feet in front of the boat. Oh my gosh, three or four sea lions arcing out of the water in that beautiful porpoising fashion of swimming right in front of the kayak. Sea lions are highly social and gregarious animals as we see in this 
big bunch out here on this beautiful, beautiful slaked, smooth gray water. Oh, wow. Um, 25 sea lions off the bow of the boat here. Of course, they're often seen congregated on rocky offshore rocks and islands. They're surprisingly good, actually, for animals this size at clambering up on very steep slopes. The gatherings of sea lions range from just a few animals in these haulouts up to several thousand. For example, Marmot Island near Kodiak, Sugarloaf Island out in the Barren Islands between the Kenai Peninsula and Kodiak have huge sea lion haulouts and rookeries. There are two kinds of gathering places. The first that I mentioned, rookeries, that's where the mating and the birthing of pups takes place. The big bulls come into those rookeries along with the breeding females and some of the pups. They congregate there from May to October. The biggest and most powerful bulls stake out a territory and they defend that against the other males. Each dominant bull then gathers a harem of females, 10 to 30 females usually. The bulls don't eat, they don't leave their territory, they stay right there in the rookery for about 40 days during the mating season. With that singularity of mind that's characteristic of the male of so many species, they would rather mm, be romantic than eat normal meals. And so they stay there on the rocks they focus on keeping the females from sneaking away. The females aren't particularly loyal to the bulls, so he's got his work cut out for him. And after all this mating fracas goes on for a month or more, these bulls are totally exhausted. They're lean, and they spend the rest of the summer on their own feeding and putting back fat on their bodies again. The haulouts, the second kind, of gatherings are separate from the rookeries. These are congregations of non-breeding females and smaller males. They're sometimes located right next to the rookeries, but they're separate because the ones that are breeding and pupping stay on their own. The females give birth to a single pup in these rookeries, very rarely twins. Most of the births take place in the month of June. The pups, about 35 to 50 pounds, they have very dark fur. It's easy to tell them when you come up to a rookery. Deep, deep chocolatey brown fur compared to that golden brown color of the adults. The rookery is a very dangerous place for small sea lion pups. They can get in trouble if they happen to waddle up to a strange female who's not their mother. She's likely to grab them, bite them, even pick them up and toss them aside. They can get killed that way. They can also get killed if they get in the way of a big bull who has in mind to go keep one of his females from slipping away from him. He'll walk right over the top of those little uh, pup sea lions and that's the end of the pup. About two weeks after they give birth, the female sea lions come into estrus and they then mate with that harem bull. The fertilized egg remains in a kind of dormant state in the uterus for several months before it implants in the uterine wall. That happens in late September or early October. A beautiful thing, this delayed implantation, because what it does then is it times the nine-month gestation that follows beginning in September or October so that the pups will be born a year later, a year after the mating, back at the rookery. Well, it's a dangerous world out there, especially for young sea lions. The sex ratios are about even at birth, but by age 10, there are three times as many females as males. Nobody knows why so many young males die. The main predators on stellar sea lions are 
killer whales. In some areas, there are pods of killer whales that kind of specialize in hunting for sea lions. Nobody knows how many they actually take, nor is that true for the other main predator on sea lions, sharks. Whoa! <laughs> Two sea lions bursting through the water 10 feet in front of my kayak. Luckily going the opposite direction as if they had just come in to inspect my kayak underwater. In fact, if I look down, I may very well see them torpedoing back and forth down underneath me. The lifespan of stellar sea lions, for females about 30 years on average, males about 20 years. The other main predator on sea lions, of course, is human beings. For thousands of years, Tlingit, Haida, Yupik, Alutik, and Aleut people have hunted for stellar sea lions, done in traditional times by spearing or clubbing them up on the rocks at their haulouts or rookeries, by harpooning them from kayaks or canoes, and by catching them in nets that were made especially for this purpose. In traditional times, Aleut people used the meat and fat of the sea lions for food, the hide for boot soles and boat covers, the stomachs could be used for food storage containers, the intestines cut into strips and sewn into waterproof jackets. The membrane surrounding the heart made a convenient little carrying bag. The bladder of the sea lion was used as a float for set line fishing buoys, like for halibut. And the whiskers, those whiskers that I'm seeing about, oh, I'd say 70 sets of those whiskers right now, just in front of me. Wowie, zowie. Talk about a whisker show. Those whiskers were used for decorating the beautiful Aleut and Alutek wooden hunter's hats. Sea lions are still taken by native people, of course. They're usually hunted from skiffs nowadays with rifles. They're especially important as subsistence foods for native villagers in the Aleutian Islands. People love to eat the meat, the flippers, the liver. Oh, some years ago, a bunch of recipes were collected by students in the Unalaska school, including sea lion soup, one called Studenach, ground sea lion flipper with vegetables, another one called Kachlikach, sea lion meatballs. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, interesting. I can't see the sea lions, but they're blowing bubbles right underneath me, coming up three or four feet off the side of my kayak, just little bursts of bubbles on the surface. No idea what that means. In earlier times, sea lions were hunted commercially. Intensive hunting of that sort began in the 1880s in Alaska. And the sea lions were used for meat, for oil, and the hides were used to make coats and boots and gloves. But after a few decades of this very high-intensity commercial hunting, sea lion populations had been seriously depleted. Intermittently, sea lion pups were hunted into the 1960s. In the 1920s and 30s, fur farms on coastal islands, especially in southeast and up in Prince William Sound, the sea lion meat was used as feed for the foxes that were raised on those fur farms. And of course, for many decades, sea lions were routinely killed by fishermen who saw them as competitors for fish. My neighbor used to tell me stories about when he was a younger man, 
they would sneak up on these big rookeries of sea lions. He said, oh, we used to just come around the corner in the boats. They couldn't see us coming, and then we'd let them have it, and they would kill as many as they could. That was the old way that things were done. Of course, most large predators in Alaska were treated this way. Bald eagles, in fact, and wolves had bounties on them, trying to keep the numbers of predators down because they were seen as competition better gotten rid of than allowed to stay around. Fortunately, that's not how things are done anymore. In 1972, sea lions were protected by the Marine Mammals Protection Act, and only native hunting has been allowed since then. Well, despite these protections, Alaska's population of stellar sea lions has been in a precipitous decline since the 1970s, about a 70% decrease in Alaska over the past 30 years. You know, it adds something to my sense of privilege in keeping company with this big, healthy herd of sea lions today. And also my sense of sadness. I remember the poignant feeling I had inside, just an aching in my heart to see what used to be enormous rookeries along the Gulf of Alaska coast and the Bering Sea coast where I was traveling on a ship some years ago. The rocks literally worn smooth by sea lions being on those rocks over the millennia. And now those rocks almost empty. Just a handful of sea lions where once there were thousands. Very sad thing. The only stable population of stellar sea lions right now is in southeastern Alaska where the sea lion is still listed as threatened whereas in the rest of Alaska up in the Bering Sea and the Aleutians it was listed as endangered in 1997. Up there in the north country in the Aleutians, some of the Aleutians rookeries and Bering Sea rookeries, there have been buffer zones established around the rookeries and haulouts to protect them from disturbance and to keep the pressure of commercial fishing off their food sources. So there's all sorts of efforts to protect these animals and hopefully help them to bring back their population in those areas. It's a delicate balancing act for the government agencies like the National Marine Fisheries Service. They've got to protect this extraordinary wild animal one of the top predators in Alaskan oceans. But they also, of course, have to protect the livelihoods of fishermen and people who are using and depending on one of the world's most valuable and important and largest commercial fisheries. Well, why are sea lions in such steep decline? Well, that's the, that's the million dollar question, and I'm sure way more than a million dollars has been spent studying these animals. There's a lot of debate over what might cause sea lion populations to decline on such a massive scale. Commercial fisheries have been one of the suspected causes. Depleting the sea lion's food supply is certainly a prime suspect, but there is at present no real proof that that's the cause. Oh, porpoising sea lions! 10, 15 sea lions up out of the water almost all at once, 25 feet off the side of my boat. A great fracas of stellar sea lions. Man, that's a few thousand pounds of beauty and meat jumping up in the air all at the same time. Climate change is another suspect in this decline of sea lion populations. Could be affecting fish stocks, but again, nobody knows if that's happening. Disease, there's no evidence for epidemics. It's a possibility. If that happened, the deaths would happen out at sea, and how would they know that these animals were dying of diseases? No evidence for that either. 
Killer whale and shark predation. Well, that's been going on for a long time. There's no evidence that predation of that sort has increased over recent decades or that it would seriously affect sea lion populations. Of course, sea lions are also shot for food, sometimes to protect fishing gear or out of just plain malice, and many die when they're caught in nets or on fishing gear. But again, probably not enough to account for the size of the decline. Well, apart from size, what most impresses people about sea lions is their bluster and their ego, their brashness and their obvious intelligence. They're often intensely curious. They're as interested in you as you are in them. And it's an awesome experience to be in this kind of a situation when they burst up through this calm water, spewing clouds of breath into the air, surging fearlessly toward my kayak, their heads high in the air, their eyes wide. There is no fear in these animals. They are saying, hey, we're in charge around here, guy. The huge bulls especially are glaring and roaring at me. When I look at these things, I'm reminded of a professional wrestler, you know, who weighs about 2,000 pounds. He's shaking his finger in my face and yelling at the top of his lungs at me. I don't know, maybe they're just bluffing, maybe they're just playing a game, but it can be pretty darn intimidating. In recent years, there have in fact been several attacks by stellar sea lions on fishermen who were on boats or docks in Kodiak and Aleutian harbors. In 2004, for example, a fisherman on a 53-foot boat in King Cove Harbor was grabbed by the seat of his pants. I don't mean to make fun of this. It, was, it had to be a horrible and terrifying experience. Grabbed by the seat of his pants, yanked underwater, and then let go after he had been pulled down into the water and submerged. He was treated for superficial wounds and given antibiotic shots, but I can imagine that everybody who witnessed that, and of course the victim of it, will never look at sea lions the same way again. I've also heard of sea lions trying to crawl out of the water on top of the decks of kayaks. Don't think that idea hasn't rolled through my head a few times. My most exciting encounter with sea lions, apart from this one, was when I was surfing with a couple of friends on the Alaska coast and we were joined by an enormous bull sea lion and three females. And that bull sea lion kept submarining underneath me as I was sitting on my surfboard. I pulled up my feet kind of thinking, geez, are you going to nibble at my toes or what? Sometimes he would be swimming upside down looking at me from the clear water down below. The most amazing thing was one of my buddies was riding a wave, was skittering along the face of a wave that day. And about five feet behind him, that bull sea lion erupted straight out of the face of the wave into midair, soared about seven or eight feet, and plunged back down into the water behind him. My buddy never saw it, what I wouldn't have given for a camera at that particular moment. Eventually, they all moved off. I've been kept company by sea lions while I was surfing quite a few different times. Stellar sea lions are huge, powerful, charismatic, wild animals. They're like a sea-going incarnation of a grizzly bear. People are always thrilled to see them, especially tourists. And for that reason, stellar sea lions have become increasingly important for Alaska's burgeoning tourism industry, for tourist ships, boats, and charter boats, because people really, really like to see these animals. And it's become a big attraction for folks here. They're like whales, like bears, mountain sheep, and other spectacular wildlife species. Sea lions, because of this, are now a growing economic asset to communities all along 
the coast of Alaska where these animals are found. Well, the stellar sea lion is one of the boldest and most formidable and most compelling of all the wild animals in Alaska. It's as if this creature had been born right out of the Aleutian storms. You look at them tossing their heads under the rush of clouds and rain squalls. It's like lightning is reflected in their eyes and they're roaring in chorus with the thunder of the surf. They are the perfect embodiment of everything that's untamed and beautiful about Alaska. What an amazing stroke of luck I've had today. These animals choosing by their curiosity or their own volition or their just what business have you got here attitude toward me. These animals have chosen to give me one of the experiences of my life. For Encounters, I'm Richard Nelson. Thanks so much for your good company. Encounters is a production of the Island Institute and KCAW in Sitka, Alaska. This program was written and narrated by Richard Nelson, edited and produced by Lisa Bush, special consulting from Ken Fate, theme music by Outback. Encounters is funded by the National Science Foundation and by the Kenneth Johnson Family Foundation, the North Pacific Research Board, and Robert Osborne, Jerry Tone, Martha Wyckoff, and Sue Cohn. For more information about the show and to hear podcasts, go to EncountersNorth.org.